When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going to come back to the near side, pick six. It's Hello and welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Cole Tomanova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View outside of Cronkite recording for the first time since the pandemic when it was a two-man show, me and Hayden just recording Zoom calls. I think it's a, a much better setup. Got We're here at the uh, Weber studio here in Phoenix and uh, I don't know. It's, it's nice. It's weird. This is the... The first non-Blaze affiliated show, so it's a different point of view. Very different point of view, <laughs> especially because I only have two high top chairs and I'm I'm down here in the desk <laughs> chair, so this is a uh, little weird. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna jump forward to Wheaties. Uh, we're uh, gonna add the the sounds a little bit later, so the live show is gonna be a little bit different. But that's one of the transitions from the Bill Austin radio station. Mother's Day is this Sunday, guys, and. So for Wheaties, we're going to do your favorite dish that your mom makes or maybe made in the past. All right. This one is a tough call for me. There's one that my mom makes by herself, and it's spaghetti. You know, I feel like everyone loves mom's spaghetti. Uh, the, same, <laughs> the same case for me. Uh, that's a classic. And then another one is one that she collaborates with my dad on, chicken tacos, elite mm. family recipe. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you're in the kitchen all day long for it, and the minute you wake up and smell it, you're in a good mood because you know what's coming at nighttime. So spaghetti, chicken tacos, one-two punch, elite. As a kid, uh, I loved dino nuggets. This required no cooking at all. This was just putting dino nuggets in the oven. But as I grew up, I loved my mom's chicken enchiladas and Kahlua pig quesadillas. Wow, that, that Kahlua pig, that, that Hawaii special. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom would make um, Velveeta mac and cheese. She would just buy shells, and then she'd buy a block of Velveeta cheese, and then she would also throw in little Smokies in there. Okay. Uh, that was, like, so delicious. Like, it was my favorite. I'm, I would ask her every weekend to make that. Like, it, it was actually foul how often I asked for that. Um, and it, but it was delicious, Mom. Thank you. Uh, and I actually just recently it was at the store and I bought the ingredients. I'm going to make it myself okay. and see if I can rival my mom's creation. But in the modern era of adulthood, uh, <laughs> BCS era, if you will, it's got to be my mom's steak and mashed potatoes. There you go. She makes the most insane steak, medium rare every time. Don't know how she does it. Uh, and then something about those mother mashed potatoes, man. They just always hit every single time. But for every great meal that our mothers have made, <laughs> there's, there's some Fruit Loops littered in there. There's some times, you know, you get home from school, you had a long day, maybe even a practice after school, 
and you just walk into the kitchen and you're like, Mom, what the heck is that? <laughs> so what's a dish maybe you didn't like that your mom didn't make? Yeah, this one sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, mom, <laughs> I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is actually not my mom's recipe, uh, but it's something she made that I'm glad has, has been retired. It's chicken chili. It's like a healthy, <laughs> oh. like a healthy play on chili, and it just... Hey, shout out, Mom. You tried something from Pinterest. We were trying to eat healthy. It was a swing and miss. She bounced back, though. Mom has amazing cooking. Chicken chili just was not it. Hey, even Caleb Williams throws interceptions. Exactly. Something I always remember, whether or not the kitchen was on fire or just, like, smoke in the air everywhere, but I think my one, one time my mom did, like, a, a uh, something in the crock pot, and she put it on the counter, and the entire counter cracked. So, like, my mom's out here just destroying furniture. Um, the food was good, but we lost the countertop out, out of a, that. It's a cop-out, Cole. you got to actually actually reveal a time. Chicken stir-fry. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, and, and mine ties into the crockpot as well. Mine's not a specific meal, but for some reason when I was a kid, this was, like, a thing. Like, me and my brother Cameron would get home from school, and it was the dreaded crock pot. If you saw the crock pot was on, if you heard the crock pot, if you smelled the crock pot, it was like, oh no. Because there was something about the crock pot, man, that just, when you were that age range from like seven to like 13, where you're just super picky, just whatever came out of the crock pot, you just didn't want any part of. And then also uh, beef stroganoff. When I was a kid, like, I hated beef stroganoff. The name, the look. As I've gotten older, I've learned to love beef stroganoff, but. You know, back when I was a kid, that was uh, that was something else. But let's let's get away from our mother's cooking before any of us get a beating when we get home. Uh, let's talk about the big picture, where we've got some big news from the Big Twelve. Which will it be the Big Twelve any longer? They are apparently considering a name change as a conference, along with playing football games at other neutral sites like Mexico, adding more behind-the-scenes access that would include like locker room access. Uh, mic'd up coaches and players so trying to be innovative obviously because they don't have the same power of teams that the Big Ten and SEC have so what do you guys think about some of these potential changes all right so first and foremost it just bugs the crap out of me that the Big Ten is still the Big Ten and the Big 12 it just when you have the wrong number of teams in your conference <laughs> compared to the name of your conference it's just it irks it irks me to no end so Glad they're potentially changing the name. Um, as far as games in Mexico, I mean, I'm just not a huge advocate of neutral site games. So, again, that's just a me thing. Uh, and then the last comment I'm going to make is I feel like sometimes more access isn't always better. Because, like, if you mm. guys watch the MLB All-Star game, you know, the on-the-field interviews kind of get awkward, I feel like. Because, you know, the guys are locked in the game and they just give really dry answers and... I don't know. It's just weird. Same with coach interviews. That happens sometimes. So, yeah. not a huge fan of it, but you know, there's some big personalities in the Big Twelve, so I wouldn't be totally opposed. I think playing me games in Mexico is super lame. I mean, college football, as we know, belongs at the home stadiums. This isn't the NFL. I know the NFL is like going to Germany this year and Mexico, London, all over the place. But I'm not sure people around the world love college American sports. My whole thing with that. It's just, like, if you want to create a fan base in Mexico, that's great. You should do marketing towards Mexico and have stuff, like events, happen in Mexico. Don't put the games in Mexico. Uh. 
There's nothing about the games like you can't take a college football game and plop it in like a new country and have it be the same. Right. College football games are special because of the uniqueness of their location, because of the like everything present there. Like I, that is very. But obviously, we've all given our thoughts on neutral side games. Behind the scenes stuff, I think would be dope. If you mic'd up Mike Gundy, it would be all time. If you mic'd up Dave Aranda, it would be the most boring <laughs> three-hour broadcast of all time because Dave Aranda is like an absolute stone golem out there at <laughs> coach. Um, and the name change, it is needed. Thank, <laughs> thank the Lord. Change the name. And you know what? If they change the name to something creative, I don't know what they do because they're so wide-spanning now. Like the Southwest, the old – I don't know. Something like that. Something dumb. Then maybe the Big Ten can just change their name to the Big Conference. Guys, what if they named the Big 12 the Conference USA? Oh my that god. Would, <laughs> that would create an even better. Then what's the CUSA going to be? They're just going to have to be Conference the Conference America. What's the American Everyone just keeps one upping each other with more American names until like <laughs> ours is like Eagle War Cried. Uh, Captain America or something Uncle like that. Uncle Sam conference. <laughs> the, the Big 12 will definitely be a trendsetter, though, because I feel like those Big 10 and SEC media deals, they're going to be like, well, we're paying you billions of dollars. We want what the Big 12 is getting with your hard knocks type in-game interviews. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch the Big 12 try to outdo the competition. Uh, we have a college gambling situation mm. and actually a pair of situations the first one was a really weird story that surfaced from Alabama football. And basically what happened is Alabama, first the report was they halted betting on an Alabama versus LSU baseball game. Did I say football? At first? Baseball. Okay, I'm just making sure I didn't screw up. Anyways, they fired their head coach and apparently there was insider info being leaked and people were gambling on it based on that. And then Iowa and Iowa State this past week had more student athletes get under fire because there are some mobile betting scandals about where people are putting their money. Um, what do you think about this? Is this a sign of a trend to come or just a case of a few random events? I think it's, you know, gambling and sports kind of is something that's been going on for a long time. You know, I don't think that this is a spike in something that's Irregular, just because you think of Pete Rose, the Black Sox scandal with Shoeless Joe and uh, Calvin Ridley this last year with, with the Falcons. <laughs> you know, whether or not it's legal, I think this is always going to happen. Yeah. And there's not really anything you can do to protect the integrity of the game. And so it's just something that's going to happen. And, and gambling is not the only thing. You look at steroids, Stein stealing, tanking, all sorts of weird stuff. There's all sorts of cheating and behind the scenes backdoors stuff going on so um, I don't think this is a particularly unique situation. I think with the mobile betting um, space increasing in every single state now I, I think it makes it a little more I guess easier to bet I mean it's easier yeah. for you to put your money on yourself I mean who's to say a college athlete just can't give money to their buddy and be their bookie and then True. you bet on a football game. Also, I don't think college athletes are allowed to bet on other college or even pro sports. Like if you're a college wrestler, you can't bet on the playoff. I don't know how many college athletes know that. So I think there needs to be a little more education done. Probably this would be the first time they're hearing about it all week. So you can't bet in general or you just can't bet college sports? I believe you can't bet on college sports with a championship and also pro sports with a championship. It's like very selective language. but. 
I think so outside you, could of you horse, bet, could I you bet the horse racing. Could you bet the anthem at golf or something? I think you could do the anthem. Okay, but, but it can't anthem. be like on the field. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think that it's promising how quickly it was caught, yep. and then they they fired him. And I think I heard the Alabama coaches could face some serious legal trouble, like yep. jail time. So I think and the message has been sent in that regard. And also, I think with sports betting being legalized federally, it makes it easier to immediately catch these scandals. Right. Because you're like, hmm, $3.7 million just get put on Bama Moneyline. Interesting. I guess that wouldn't work because Bama's dominant football. But I don't know, like... Kansas money line randomly on a Monday or something like that. People would be like, yeah, that seems a little suspicious. Um, so I, I just think that's a non-story. There's, you know, we're, we're it's going to be fine. People, some people want to panic and be like, oh, they're ruining the sport. No, just calm down. Um, <laughs> Urban Meyer made some headlines this week. He went out and said that he believes our Texas Longhorns have the best roster in the country. Hayden, what are your thoughts on that? I honestly do think Texas has a top five roster on paper. If you look at last year, I don't know if you guys have looked at the, I believe it's called the Team Roster Talent Composite mm. by 24-7 Sports. It's pretty good. Texas was number six behind the likes of, I want to say, Bama, A&M, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. And Texas improved this offseason. They had a good recruiting class, brought in some transfers. So I absolutely think you could make an argument that Texas has – possibly the best roster in the country. I'm, I'm not sure if they've surpassed Georgia. In fact, I'm, I'm going to say they have not surpassed yeah. Georgia, but they're top five. I saw some composite ranking, too. They were three there. Okay. Um, but Georgia and Bama were at the top. However, you know, I would like to see Urban Meyer take his talents to Texas and see uh, what he can do with he, that top-rated roster in the country. He would win a natty. I'm convinced. Um, I... I I think for everyone's sake, Urban Meyer should not coach again because I think we're forgetting how much of a dumpster fire it was towards the end of his tenure, the mental health stuff, and then also the Jaguars stuff, while a different league was also really bad. I don't know. It just seems like there's too much baggage around that. Um, Met Urban Meyer's wife, actually, after the Pac-12 championship game. She was very nice. She's trying to get our, uh, I think, my shoes signed, or was it a hat or a shirt? I don't know. Signed by Urban Meyer. That would have been fun. Um, but yeah, Texas, I, the one thing I'd say about the composite rankings, because obviously I look at those two and those are very informative, is the composite rate rankings just factor in what their recruiting rating was when they recruited. It doesn't factor in how well they've developed. And so I think that you can definitely argue Texas has like at, top, at least top 10, maybe even top 5 roster. But to me, the disparity between how Bama and Georgia recruit and then also how they develop like, there's just no argument over those two teams. You could argue number three. You could argue above AM, LSU, Ohio State, some of those other guys, but I, I think Urban Meyer is just maybe speaking a little, little bit hyperbolic when he's made that statement. Um, but yeah, we've got some followers, you know, in, on Instagram, all over the place, and we've got some follower hot takes. The third time we're going to do hot takes here, uh, we've got, let's see, one, two, three, it looks like seven of them. Um, we're going to rate them on a score of 1 to 10, as usual. 1 saying, that's not a hot take. 10 saying, wow, that is a very bold take. 1 being not bold, 10 being bold. So we're going to start with DJ Daddy Matt, Whoa. who says, Texas A&M wins the SEC West. He's on crack. <laughs> He's, that's a 10. I'm going to go with a solid 10 there. I'm going to go with a 8.8, simply because 
of the talent on Texas A&M's roster, plus Bobby Petrino, an offensive coordinator. Crazier things have happened. Think about where LSU was sitting this time last year, and they sure. won the SEC West. What's going on in Utah? Texas A&M. I think. I think. I think it's valid. It's, there's worth. I wouldn't put a ten. There's a, there's a possibility. Make a bowl game first, Anna. Which I think they will. I think they'll make a bowl game pretty easily. Um, we've got King Diamond Jackal who says Miami wins the ACC. I'll throw out a. I'll throw out a. I'll throw out an eight, just because. The ACC, you know, you get past Clemson. You do have Florida Ooh. State there, but and the ACC is not is not deep. It's not deep. You know, if you can beat, you can fluke out a win against one of those two teams. If you're Miami, get to the championship game, win that. It's not totally out of the question. It's true. They have talent. Um, I don't see it happening, so I'm gonna stick by my eight. I'll go seven. Miami feels like the A and M of the ACC, but because of the easier schedule, it's more. Realistic. That's what I was about to say. Miami feels the exact same way. I'm not going to go down to a, maybe necessarily a 7. I'll go 7.5 just because Florida State and Clemson are both going to be very present there. And I actually don't think I don't think Duke is going to be a pushover in the ACC. Really? I, I really don't. I think Riley Leonard, another year Mike Elko. I know obviously at times last year we felt Duke was more of a pretender just because you know your inflated wins in the ACC. But, I mean... They're still going to be in the ACC this next year. Sure. So, But no divisions definitely makes it a little bit harder for Miami to win exactly. the ACC. They probably could have afforded like two or three conference losses if the Coastal was there around. But Does Miami play Clemson during the regular season at all? That's an excellent question. Because um, I know they'll probably play Florida State. But that'll be a good measuring stick. Oh, they'll definitely if, play If you've got to play both Miami and Clemson, that's... Then they have a chance to earn it. Just win one of those mm-hmm. and then don't slip up. But then that would be 11-1. That's a lot to ask. For Miami, um, yeah. they play. They've got that A and M game. They actually oh, play. They do play Clemson. Brutal. They play Florida State. They play North Carolina on the road. So it's gonna be. They're gonna have to earn it. But very similar case with A and M. Have the talent there. Remember last year when they played and it was like a top fifteen matchup. Yes. Miami and A and M, and it was like, oh, what a game, and then it ended up meaning nothing. Same with A and M Arkansas. Mm, they yes. were both top ten. I remember that. And then they both ended up. Arkansas ended up 7-6, so they did both end up below 500. We've got Luke underscore Ochoa 13, who says, <laughs> Vanderbilt? They're going to win a bowl game, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, bro. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, 1.5. You mean 10? Oh, I mean Not, 10. That, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. 8.5 if you're going... Or 9... Wait. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Okay, so it's either a 10, but you said 1.5, so you would want to go 9.5 or... No, 8.5. That's an 8.5. I'm going to go with 9 here. Trying to keep Colt in order here. Colt, 10 means not happening. That's why I wrote, that's impossible, you're on crack, bro. And that's exactly what Ochoa underscore 13 is, because they're not beating Hawaii, sadly. And what did you give it, Hayden? 9. Colt, they're beating Hawaii. No, they're not. With Vanderbilt, it is really tough for me. Because on paper, there is no way this team's going to win a bowl game. You're going to pick them to go 2-10. and 10. But the amount of promise that they showed at the end of the year with those two wins, I'm going to go... <laughs> I, I all might have been in the same range. I'm going to go 8. I'm going to go 8 just because, like... Actually, I don't know. Win, I'm going to go 9. Wins a bowl game is different than making a bowl game. 
They beat Florida and I think South Carolina or something. It was Kentucky. Time. They beat Kentucky. Kentucky on the road. Oh boy. But Kentucky was looking horrible towards the end. Of the I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Eight point five. Eight Next, we've got Alex. Sh- oh, sorry. Alex Schrags, 16, who says Michigan finishes third in their own division. So you got Penn State, Ohio State. You got Michigan State in that division as well, and Maryland. All right, Indiana. I'm going to throw out a six. I'm going to throw out a six. I think there's a chance. You've been hyping up Penn State. I'm kind of buying into the hype a little bit. Uh, Ohio State, I think, is the favorite to win that division. So it's not out of this world if they if they finally lose to Ohio State and then they slip up against a Penn State, maybe even a Maryland and Michigan State, that they could finish third, assuming those other teams finish like 11-1, and 10-2. So I'm going to throw out a six. I'm going to go three. I think Maryland jumps them. Wow. Maryland. Wow. All right. I've, I've been so back and forth on those top three in the Big Ten, on the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I'm going to go nine because I just – you look at what Michigan brings back. They bring back J.J. McCarthy. They bring back Blake Quorum, Donovan Edwards. They bring back one of the best O-lines in the country. I think they got two Stanford offensive line transfers, hilariously. Got Ladarius Henderson from ASU. Yeah, and so and then their defense is just going to be just as great. I saw something where it was like last season, Michigan lost six defensive players to the NFL draft, and then their defense was like improved. <laughs> so yeah. I can't remember their defensive coordinator. I want to say like Jesse Mintz or something. can't remember his name, but... I just feel like it's disrespectful to pick Michigan to lose to Ohio State. And so even if they do fall to Penn State, I just third in their division, it's still plausible, but I'm going to go nine out of respect to what the Wolverines have done over these last two years. We've got William Stitzberger who says, Utah, this is their year. They're going to break through and make the college football playoff. Oh, come on. It's not happening. Uh, I'm going to go with a solid I'm going to go with an 8 on this one. I mean, you can never really count out Utah because we've learned, or I've learned at least from the past, you know, Kyle Whittingham does not regress. But at the same time, I just don't think Utah has championship-level ceiling. Uh, We're talking national championship-level ceiling. I think I said 7 or or 8. I'll go with 8. I'm going to stick with that one. I think if this question was to repeat as Pac-12 champs, I'd lower my number, but this is going to be a 10 for me. I think the Pac-12 is too tough of a conference to not only win the whole thing, but then make the playoff. Uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, uh, I've been too open-minded during the segment, so I'm going to put a 10 on this one. Somebody commented one of these on my TikTok videos the other day, and, and I didn't know if it was true or not. I figured it wasn't true. They said, Utah has not beat a Power 5 team outside of the Pac-12 since 2018. And I was like, that's what? ridiculous. Wow. It is true. Wow. They have not beat a Power 5 team outside of the Pac-12 since 2018. And that, I think, is now not including BYU. But still an insane stat when you think about it. Um, and then look who they play this year to start the season. Back-to-back Power yeah, 5 so. teams. So if, you, if history continues, they're going to start the season 0-2 this year. And then they're out just like that. Yeah. Uh, we've got... The same guy, William Stitzberger. He was on fire. Wow, this guy's on crack. He says, Ohio State loses to Michigan and Ryan Day gets canned. Even, okay. Where's the game at? This, this is year? a lot to dissect. It's in Ann Arbor. So, so, if this is a two-parter, so you're saying Ohio State loses to Michigan and, and Ryan it's Day It's a two-parter. So, I think even if, so it's hear me out, <laughs> even if Ohio State goes 11-0, I think there's a real possibility they move on from Ryan Day. 
I, I really do. I think there is a real possibility. That is wild. But with that, I'm going to call. I'm going to go. For both to happen, it's going to take a lot. I'm going to go with a seven here. But I, I do think there is some sentiment in that athletic department that if they don't get over the hump this year, this would be, what, year three in a row of losing to Michigan. I think they could move on. Wow. I'm going to go five. Uh, oh, my wow. goodness. I say, yeah, because obviously if they lose, it's the one game all year. You have to win one game, and that's against Michigan. If you don't win that, you're 10. And so I'm going to bank on that happening. That's why I'm going five. Ryan Day has the best winning percentage of any coach in any active coach in college football right now. I might be of any coach all the time, honestly, with how good it is. I, I, if he loses to Michigan, yes, everyone on social media will be saying he should get fired. And yes, the vibes oh, won't be great. There's going to be a lot of competitive pressure on him. But they are not go- he's not getting fired. Even if they, dare I say, even if they lose two games and they one of them is to Michigan, I don't think he's getting fired because... He still has them at a very high level. You look at the talent they have on that team right now with him. He's still recruiting well. And they literally made the playoffs last year, despite that. So if they lose to Michigan to make the playoffs, what, are they going to fire him before the playoff game? Yeah, he's going to beat Michigan. <laughs> I, I, just, I, just, I just don't see that necessarily happening, especially when you look at it from the other lens, which is they gave Harbaugh five years of losing to Ohio State. It's true. Out, and then now look at how happy they are. So it is, it is crazy how much rides in that game, though. Like, the atmosphere around Ohio State and around Ryan Day has completely shifted. If before, it was like, look at this guy. He doesn't lose to Michigan. And now it's, how can he beat Michigan? You're probably right. If they make, like, obviously the playoff and lose to Michigan, he's probably chilling. But if they're going into that Michigan game with three losses, maybe four Whoa. losses, outside <laughs> of a, a playoff shot, well, you got to be really looking that's at That's a that different game. conversation. He's, he's fired if, if that happens. He's like fired he, maybe if he wins that game. If they have three losses, right, going into that game, he might be out. I think I think it could get interesting if they lose, let's say, to Penn State, and then they lose a fluky one to, like, Maryland or something. Then I think the Michigan game is lose and you're fired. Because you wouldn't even make the I think, conference championship. I think the magic number is two. If they aren't going to that game with two losses. Because even one loss, they could lose to Michigan and still make a Rose Bowl and win another Rose Bowl. Correct. But I'll, I'll raise you this. What, what, what about the game... In and of itself, what if they get fifty-six to fourteen? You know what I'm saying? See that? What if it's a ele- they're eleven and zero, but For they what? just their first absolute. loss, and they lose fifty-six fourteen. Yeah, and they just get completely destroyed. I think that Does would that be really mean? brutal. I think their performance in their bowl game slash playoff appearance would then okay. Return. If if they get curb stomped against Michigan, genuinely curb stomped, and then they come out into a Rose Bowl versus Oregon State, and they lose a hundred and nothing to Oregon State. Then I think we could be looking at a situation, but then you also have to keep in mind like who they would hire. I think right, Urban Meyer. Because <laughs> I, I guess I guess because I don't think they're just gonna fire Ryan Day just be, just to fire him. Like who they, they they need to have a good option, like a good backup. Like outside of Urban Meyer, who would be their best like guy? Who would they go get if they wanted to ditch Day right tomorrow? Scott Frost, yeah, great idea. His success in the Big Ten. Chris okay. Peterson? Oh, that actually, that's actually not a bad one. Here we go. Last one. Cliff from Kingsbury. No way. No. <laughs> no. no way. Last one uh, from the follower hot takes. We've got at JC Sports 78 who says, the Florida Gators, they're going to mess around and win the SEC East. 
<laughs> this one I'm very comfortable throwing a 10 on. I'm throwing very a 12 on this, bro. Wow. Another 12. I'm going to go 10. I'm going to go 10. I don't see it happening. We just talked about all the negative headlines that have come from Florida and the Graham Mertz bad publicity, and they have failed to get that extra quarterback they said they were going to get. Right? They haven't gotten anyone. They can't even go poach somebody? like. Yeah, and then Casey Thompson went to FAU. He said, I, would, I don't want to go to Florida. I'd rather go to FAU. So Rude. See, that's the issue there. You have to beat the defending two-time national champions in your own division when you have problems in your own house right now. You also have Tennessee. You also have South Carolina and a couple others. Kentucky. It's not a good recipe. Yeah, it's just been uh, bad vibes down in, uh, what is that, Gainesville for, for the Gators. Uh, but, Colt, Hayden was telling me the other day that he has too much expendable income. Yeah. And he would like to invest in something that's going to pay immediate dividends, mm. perhaps doubling and even tripling his money. Yeah, that's true. So, guys, I want to do this as a group this week. You know, Whoa. instead of Whoa. just me giving you ideas of where to put our money, how about we all pitch in to see where we should putting our collective two dollars and thirty eight cents that we made from Belly Up Sports? You know, Cole, I think that's a great oh. idea. <laughs> no shade to Belly Up Sports, Hayden. Why don't you give us some teams that you've looked at the over under win totals and said, you know what, I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna take the under. All right, there's a couple that I'm very confident about. Colorado, hammer the over. Three? Are you Good. kidding me? Three? All right, so they get Stanford at home. They get Arizona at home. They get ASU on the road. That'll be a tougher game. You also get Colorado State, Nebraska, the cats at the door. Somebody <laughs> needs to come get them. Bob, if you're watching the live stream, get the cat. The, uh, the cat ah! joins. What was his name? The guy who knocks on the door uh, when we were at Bill Austin Radio Station. Oh, uh, Zach. Zach. He joins... Zach Keenan yes. as the, the two people that knock on the hey, Pacific. Regardless region. of the location, there's always something going on. If the cat the opens door. the door, though, he becomes Peyton Gallagher? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Colorado. So, so I think they're going to split also the Nebraska TCU. So hammer that Ooh. over. Uh, Ole Miss, 7.5. I'm feeling pretty confident about an over Ooh. on that one. You take a look. Uh, Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech. <laughs> Mercer granted, has a football team? Granted, Tulane's on the road. That could be a little tricky. Bama, LSU, that'll be tough, but I feel good about Arkansas at home, Vandy at home, Texas A&M at home, ULM at the end of the season. I think they have a chance to go out and beat Mississippi State. So I think you're looking at definitely eight, potentially nine wins for Ole Miss. And then the one under that I am going to hammer here is Kansas State, eight and a half. I think that's a little bit bloated. Um, the expectations are going to be high there in Manhattan, but I, I just don't think they get to nine wins this year. I think they could get to eight. I think they'll be a good football team, but I don't see them winning nine, ten games. Wow. All right. I got South Carolina. Over six and a half wins. Lock of the century, man. Okay. North Carolina to start off the season. I think that's going to be a dub. Furman's on there. Mississippi State, they're not going to be the same program, sadly. Florida, Missouri, Jacksonville State, and Vandy back-to-back. Also, Kentucky and Clemson follow at home. That's an entire month of November where this team plays at home. And considering how they finished the season last year, they're going to be hot to close the season again over six and a half wins. 
for South that Carolina. Was and and South Carolina has shattered their over under win total each of the last yes. two seasons. It's stupid that it's this low. I don't know because it was two seasons ago. It was four and a half. They ended with seven wins, and then I think this last season. They upped it to five and a half, and then South Carolina won like whatever it was, eight or nine wins. Did you have them too? I mean, that was. Uh, I didn't write them down, but weirdly enough, but that is literally my lock. That is my lock. Yeah, like, I'm surprised same. I haven't put money on it already. Uh, my second one is under Florida State ten wins. I don't love the. It's a ten win, so it's not like a half. But I think they lose to LSU, so now you're going to start off the season with one loss, and then Clemson on the road, I think, is another loss. So now you're at ten. Do I think Florida State's going to go 8-0 to close the season? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go no. And so that's why I see them going under 10 and being 9-3. and three. Okay. Wow. The other one that I have is Maryland. My uh, hammer. Taulia. Over seven wins here. And this just feels like a no-brainer. They start off the season uh, 3-0 and here, going to Michigan State. If they were the same team as last year, they start off 4-0, and then Indiana, 5-0. and Going into that Ohio State game... 5-0, and then Illinois-Northwestern back-to-back after that? That's already seven wins. They'll get one more against either Nebraska or Rutgers. I think Maryland at seven is also disrespectful. Mike Loxley notably has increased his winning percentage because of the COVID year, but he's increased his winning percentage every year at Maryland. So that, exactly. if he does continue that trend, that's an easy lock. Uh, Colt, I agreed with two of those. Uh, Cincinnati is at four and a half. And Cincinnati avoids Kansas State, Texas, Texas Tech in their Big 12 schedule. This is an absolute lock. Why is Cincinnati at four and a half? That's just showing a complete lack of faith in Scott Satterfield, who is actually a very underrated head coach. And I just am baffled by that at four and a half. I think that's an easy over. Uh, Let's go with an under. North Carolina, go under. They're at eight and a half. I've talked about how I think Drake May is going to regress and the offense is going to regress. Um, causing his numbers to, to not be quite there in their defense, I don't think it's going to get any better. So eight and a half, give me the under there. I, that's pretty easy for me. Um, and then let's, why not? Let's go with another under, another Pac-12, not another, but a Pac-12 school, UCLA, eight and a half. That feels like a little much, especially if you're going to have Dante Moore or Colin Schley, which if we're just talking strictly quarterbacks, they're going to be towards the bottom of the league in quarterback. That said a lot about how stacked the quarterbacks are. UCLA got a great transfer portal class. Good for them. But it just feels like a bit of a transition year for UCLA. I don't really like over 8.5. I'm going to go under 8.5. What was the one that you didn't like of mine? Between South Carolina, Florida State, and uh, Maryland. I don't like Florida State. I don't like Florida State. Number one in returning production in the country. You think 10 wins? I think 10 wins is... I'm not betting against that. Because... That, that roster, man. That roster is stacked. And they could land Keon Coleman on top of that. So where would you put your money? The over? Or you wouldn't bet at That's all? That's one of the ones I'm not touching. That's a push. That's I think it'll go ones. even. I, I think they'll go 10-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, I could... Yeah. I, I just don't see a lot of scenarios where they break and go 9-3 and three and below. Because they still... They won 9-3 this year. And they just brought everyone back. And then loaded up on more talent. So I just think that... They got to get through those first two games in the first four weeks, though. But if, if they, they win just one, one of those, right? Then it's a different story, which is fair. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch, exciting to watch. The most hype out of conference game I'm hyped for right now, and for the entire summer I will be, is that Florida State LSU game. Man, that is just the stuff of dreams. 
Let's get into the college football contender series. Shout out to Cole for this segment idea. This is going to be a fun one. This is great. There's a, we've got a college football random team generating wheel. Did you want to be the wheel master, Cole? Oh, you have it? I you have it too. Okay, yeah, you, if you do it after thinking, okay. cool. I, I will be the wheel master. Basically, the wheel has all... Actually, the one we have is Power 5 schools. So it has every Power 5 school in college football on, which is actually pretty good for balance. I mean, who hates the group of five anyways? Colt hates the little guy, except for that one time he got a fortune cookie and read it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically, what we're going to do is we spin the wheel, we get one team. We spin the wheel, we get another team. Those two teams will discuss, talk about who would win if they played this season. And uh, if they win five in a row, that locks them into a four-team playoff. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, this could get a little chaotic, so let's start. I'm gonna spin the wheel, and when we land on a team, I'm gonna take them out of the wheel because that way we don't we don't draw mm-hmm. them again. Um, That's good. We have three of us. So we have a the wheel is spinning, and we're gonna start off with the Auburn Tigers. Oh, right. very fun team. Auburn notably oh. misspelled horribly. Hold up. We're going to the wardrobe. Oh, going to the wardrobe. Ah! We're going to the wardrobe. See, this is something we Hayden's, can do. In this Hayden's studio. gone rogue. Hold up. Hayden's absolutely gone rogue, and he's in the wardrobe. Well, I'm going to move the Searching left. Hold on, we have to have Texas, because we have to get the hat picks. Oh, right my goodness. Well, get the Hawaiian hat, too. Okay, get wait. the Hawaiian hat. <laughs> we also have to get ASU up here. How do I spin we'll the wheel up later? I don't know. Oh, this is a huge pitchfork right here. Okay, we're gonna spin the wheel. We s- okay. We're gonna spin the wheel a second time here. We've got hats now. If it lands on Texas, no way. Oh, my. okay, it landed oh. on Miami. It actually almost landed on Texas. I don't have a Miami hat. Boys. So this is the first game: the Auburn Tigers versus the Miami Hurricanes. My goodness, what an opening matchup! Crazy. Uh, I do not have faith in Auburn this year. Um, wow, I gotta go Miami in this one. Depends on you know if it was at Jordan Hare, I'd go Auburn. But just head-to-head, on paper versus on paper, I like my head. Man, Auburn has just no idea like what's going on with their quarterback thing right now. It's pretty funny. Like, every QB is like, courting that QB room right now. Um, and Miami, I'm going to assume, is going to have a better year than last year, right? So I'm going to go Miami. Uh, yeah, I think both these teams are going to be better next year than they were this year. I'm going to give the pity vote to Auburn, but Miami wins the first game, meaning Miami has won, and they're one step closer to the playoffs. So let's go ahead and spin the next one. It is going to be the Miami Hurricanes versus whoever this wheel lands on, and it has landed on... It's taking its time. Okay, it's spinning okay. a long time. Okay, here we go. It is the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee versus Miami. No shot for the... No shot for the Canes in this one. I think Tennessee wins this one by three touchdowns. Whether it's Milton or whether it's Nico, Tennessee wins this game. You look at Tennessee had the 127th ranked pass defense in the country last year. Fun fact. Uh, they did not do a lot to address that. Tyler Van Dyke could could break out under a new offensive coordinator in Miami. Just giving Miami the benefit of the doubt. I'll pick Tennessee, though, just because that's probably what's going to happen. There you go. Got to give the wheel a second. So do we have here. to? So do we have to have five straight wins to determine? Yeah, that? I mean we can change it. Maybe if it's three not straight. Five. Yeah, three I didn't know how hard wins. this was gonna be. So Tennessee is in the driver's seat. They've got one straight win. Let's do three straight wins to lock up a spot. Um, we are spinning a wheel. The initial wheel I was using had all the teams, so I was just getting Old Dominion oh, and no. like James Madison. Okay, so we've got Tennessee versus the Iowa State Cyclones. 
Yeah, Ooh. Iowa State. I I don't have a ton of faith in this year. Um, God, who's who's that guy who nice. could not make a routine catch? But Xavier Hutchinson. He's gone now. He's gone. Sadly, yeah, he went to the NFL. All right, who's the lefty quarterback? Is he back? Hunter Deckers is back. Hunter Deck Deckers is back. Okay. They could do some things this year, but they're not beating Tennessee. Yeah, Matt Campbell's a good coach, but Tennessee, baby. Iowa State lost a lot of one-score games last year. They're going to be a team that I think it is one to keep an eye on, especially in the wild, wild west. But Tennessee, I think, is the obvious choice there. So you've got Tennessee two wins. having won two wins. A third one could get them through. Unless we go back to the five. Yeah, we, go, we go to four. You four to make the four-team play. Four is good. Okay, four is good. Let's We've go made four. a final decision. Very organized tournament here. Uh, <laughs> the wheel is spinning again. The wheel takes its sweet time spinning. It's you gotta just, like spin it like while we're talking. I, I've been trying to do that, but it, um, it takes forever. We've got the Wake Forest Demon Deacons versus Tennessee. <laughs> Wake Forest. Tennessee. No Sam H. Sam no Sam H. H. It's gonna be Mitch Griffiths, who saw some time when Sam Hartman was out at the beginning of the year last year. It's not going to be the same Wake Forest team, Tennessee. What I I feel like I just keep speaking for the the team that's getting creamed here, but <laughs> yeah, Tennessee probably is going to win that game. But Sam Harmon came from the same system that Mitch Griffiths is coming from, so maybe Griffiths could step into his own. Wake Forest maybe could do some fun stuff. Here it is, a game to advance to the final. It is UCF versus Tennessee. Man, John Reese Plumley, wow. what a guy! I just. I don't think he has. I don't think he has the supporting staff to defeat Tennessee in a sixty-minute football game. You know what? UCF, <laughs> new conference, great coach there, building something. The Gus Maybe the Gus Bucks taste into the Big Twelve championship. Give me UCF. Yeah, um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> UCF is UCF in Houston, particularly. Going to keep a close eye on in the Big 12 this year because it just doesn't feel like they have the talent on their roster to compete yet in the Big 12. It, it feels like they're going to feel very much like how Utah and Colorado felt when they mm. first got to the pack, where it's just like turning in four and eight seasons, not really up to par yet. It will come with the Gus Bus. You build it, and they will come. Tennessee, though, the first team to be locked into a playoff here we'll we'll lock in the volunteers, but uh, that was fun. We'll uh, continue this in another episode. Isn't that crazy though? Like the year after Hooker leaves, they finally make the playoff. That'd be so funny if that actually happened. I mean, I'm telling you, Bazooka Joe Milton, man, he he is looking pretty dang good. And after Hooker slide, a lot of people are just saying that Heupel's offense just makes you look that good. Because also we talked about the other guy, Jalen Hyatt. He also slipped in the draft. True. So. And I think Tennessee had, like, a tackle get taken early, and some people were saying that was a bad pick because he also looked good because of Heupel's offense. So, at the very least, the NFL guys seem to believe that the Tennessee offense is a bunch of Heupel merchants. That's what people said about the 2007 University of Hawaii. They were like, oh, these guys suck. It's the run-and-shoot offense that June Jones runs that makes all these guys look good. He might have had a point. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they might have. Uh, this is a Pac-12 show, guys, and it? frankly, it's ridiculous that we haven't talked about the Pac-12 yet. So let's get into the Pac-12 newsletter, where we've got some huge news coming from Tempe. Jordan Tyson, a very sought-after receiver, the number three receiver in the portal, according to most websites, commits to ASU. He's a true sophomore. Hayden, what are your thoughts on this? This is hype, and I he he's going to be 
seriously battling for playing time. I mean, this might be one of the deepest wide receiver pass catcher rooms in the Pac-12. And just in terms of depth. So I'm shocked. I'm just internally screaming. Uh, <laughs> this is incredible. You have to have him as your punt returner, replacing DJ sure. Taylor. Sure. He's he's going to be electric on that front. Kenny Dillingham is electric, and ASU recruiting is back. And this is a prime example of that. So I'm hype. Jordan Tyson in Tempe. He's going to return at least two kicks for touchdowns next year. He's also gonna gonna have over 500 yards receiving. Book it. And I think that's also a testament to Kenny Dillingham and what he was able to do at Oregon with their weapons. A guy like Jordan Tyson is gonna want to come into ASU knowing that he's gonna have a, a guy in Dillingham that's gonna be able to use his talent uh, effectively and efficiently there. Very interesting to see what they do at quarterback and how that chemistry is gonna work out. But I have faith in Dillingham that they're gonna be able to work this thing out. I'll tell you what, uh, ASU is gonna have some questions on offensive line. Their depth at linebacker is going to be questionable at best. There are several positions on defense that need to be addressed. However, the skill players on this team, Jalen Conyers, and you've got Elijah Badger, and now Jordan Tyson, and you've got uh, those like three guys from Texas. You've got Cam Scadabo and DeCarlos Brooks in the backfield, joined by Tevin White. The skill players in the offense with Drew Pine at quarterback, it is going to be a very fun and way more entertaining offense than this past season. I just think it's going to be very enjoyable to watch the Sun Devils operate on offense. That can, especially with that Kenny Dillingham system. And uh, I mean, the, there might be, there might not be six wins on the schedule, but it's going to be, it's going to be dang fun to watch. That's what I'm saying. Uh, let's jump forward to two truths and a lie. By the way, the transfer portal window will be closed by the time we get back here for our next show. Oh, wow. So uh, we'll, we'll have definitely some more news because there's still a few names floating around there. Um, one of them one of them was like the top tight end in the country or like in the portal. Hmm. He, he committed to Arkansas, decommitted, was back in the portal for like a week, and then recommitted Was to it the Georgia tight end or was that? I, no, he was from North Texas. I can't remember what his – it was like – I don't know. Anyways – um, let's jump to a new segment called Two Truths and a Lie. Perhaps you've heard of this game. Mm. Um, it's when you tell two truths about something and then a lie. And then everyone has to determine uh, what the lie is. And we're going to be doing it for either a player, a coach, a program, anything you want, essentially. Putting a little college football spin on it as we do on this show. And so uh, we'll start with Hayden. Hayden, All what right. do you got for us? So... This particular player is widely considered one of the greatest collegiate defensive players of oh, all man. time. <laughs> T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, former ASU defensive lineman. All right, here we go. Three facts. He played at Chandler High School. Okay. Uh, he transferred to ASU from San Diego State. And he holds the single-season sack record with 24 sacks set back in 2002. I've got my answer. I've got mine too. All right. Three, two, one. San Diego State. Say the uh, first one. The, the high school. first one. Yep. Okay. I went San Diego State. It's actually the second one is the lie. He graduated from Dirt. Hamilton <laughs> High School, but he initially played at Chandler, so he See, that's what I knew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I got that wrong too then. No, you got it right. No, you got it right. He, he did play at Chandler. He just transferred to Hamilton. No, I said mine was San Diego State was the lie. It was the lie. Yeah, you got it. 
He didn't. He, he says anything. the first one. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, You're yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, never Cole played. loses the point for not understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, some Terrell sucks. Fun facts. Colt, I assume yours will be related to Hawaii. No. Whoa! No, mine's uh, Dion Sanders. Oh, okay, there we go. That, okay. First fact uh, one of his nicknames is Leon Sandcastle. Second one, he has two toes that are amputated. The third one, he wrestled an alligator in the music video for his 1990s hit song, Must Be the Money. It's an actual song I heard today. I didn't know he did that. Uh, I have what was mine. the first one? One of his names is Leon. His nicknames is Leon. I can't tell Sandcastle. if you're trying to do something cute there because I've seen a commercial where they say Leon Sandcastle. I'm gonna say the third one just because I know he has had. Maybe it's a different amount of toes amputated though. He specified two, and it could be four toes amputated. I'm gonna go with the third one. I'm gonna go with the first one. He did not wrestle an alligator. There we go. He does have two toes that are amputated. Uh, he has yeah. blood clots or something, and recently got him cut off. Leon Sandcastle was a bit that he did for NFL Network. Uh, Leon being Dion. I, I remember that. I was just, I just, I thought it was Dion Sandcastle, not Leon Sandcastle. So I couldn't tell if you were trying to be cute and be like, no, it was actually no, Dion no. Sandcastle. But I didn't know he had like a 1990s hit song. Must be the money. Like this is, is it, an is actual. It the a song. must be the money song. No, that's no. Um, Nelly. I think so. That's Nelly. No, but he has an actual song here. He just never wrestled an alligator. He's hanging out with chicks and cars. <laughs> pretty, pretty good uh, made-up fact there, Cole. Uh, mine is Oregon State's football program. Oh! Right, two truths and a lie here. Uh, we'll see how challenging this is for you guys. Maybe you guys know Oregon State football better than I thought. Hmm. Uh, Oregon State is tied for the most seasons since 2000, starting unranked and ending the season ranked with five such seasons. Okay. Okay. Oregon State has two Bolitnikoff Award winners for the nation's most outstanding receiver, and Oregon State's best start in school history was in 1968 when they started 9-0. and What was the first one again? Oregon State is tied for the most seasons since the year 2000, where they started the season not ranked and ended the season ranked with five such seasons. I got one. Got one. All right. Three, two, one. The last that one. The first one. The first one is true. Wow. Oregon State tied for the most since 2000. Two Blitnikoff Award winners, Brandon Cooks, Mike Hass. The that. last one is the lie. Oregon State's best start in school history was 6-0, and and they tied that in 2013. 6-0 is their best start in school history. Really? Never been 7-0. That's it? Oregon State went undefeated in 1907, but ended the season 6-0. and So <sighs> it, it does feel like a pretty small number. What happened in 1968? Uh, 1968 was just a random year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it actually like we're like... Five and zero or something crazy. I, like ten I think, and one. I think they were like nine and three that year or something like that. I just tried to pick. Trying to figure this out. I remember we watched that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, remember, I remember I was at that game. It was great. Yeah, they were seven and three. <laughs> How they start? They're just telling me who's oh. on the roster. Or not? Football Reference. What are we doing here? The reason I uh, I know the stat is because in two thousand and. I believe it might have been 2012. Actually, in 2012, that's what they were making the big deal about. Oregon oh. State started six and zero. We were the seventh ranked team in the country. Road game in Seattle versus Washington on a Friday night, and they were like a chance for the first start, seven row start in school history. And then it was a heartbreaking loss. 
That 1968 team had a chance to be undefeated. They lost two games by one point. Oh! And the last one to number one USC on the road, they lost by four points. Oregon State has a reputation of knocking off number one USC teams. That is true. In quarter Didn't they? Wasn't there like a 100-year losing streak at the Coliseum they broke? Or was that Utah? Or was we that broke like an 80-year? It wasn't. 80, it wasn't. 80. It wasn't an. Okay, saying an 80-year losing streak sounds bad, yeah. but it, it had been 80 years since we won in the Coliseum, but we only play in the Coliseum like once every four right. years. and the pack was different. So really it was like we had lost maybe 20 straight in the Coliseum, which still isn't good, yeah. but we made up for it by beating multiple number one ranked USC teams in Corvallis leading up to that. Yeah, true. And, and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, that's all we got for the Pac-12 newsletter. And uh, we have no Michael Scott, so just like that, guys, we're That's we're it. sitting here. It's low tide. It's eight o'clock. It's eight oh four. Yeah, it's it's. We started early, started notably. Early. So I like so it. I like the early are. start time. Um, I don't know about you guys, but a little bit easier for the East Coast people. Hopefully, our Hawaii fans are still able to tune in. Yeah, they're still good. It's like All what right, cool. Four o'clock over there when we oh, start yeah. now. Okay. Oh yeah, they're they're doing just fine. No trouble in paradise. In the grass shacks and... Wow. <laughs> I thought you lived in a house. No. We don't have a house. We don't have running water or electricity either. Wow, that's pretty shocking stuff. How do you have to have... rub sticks together and make a fire. And... <laughs> Things are rougher than Hawaii, in Hawaii than I thought. Yeah, all of our food comes out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... No, I'm just kidding. Um, Happy Mother's Day. Happy early yes. Mother's Day to uh, all, all you mothers out there. And all, also to all those fathers that are out there doing both. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the season, I believe, is like 115 days away. So oh, dude. Maybe, maybe getting that preseason buzz going. I got to say, just and we're talking about Jordan Tyson, Kenny Dillingham. Just, I mean, you guys, you guys were there through it all as students, through maybe the worst year in ASU football history. Yeah. That was the one year that I just was never excited about a game, like for ASU. I mean, you know, being a fan of college football, I've been there. Regardless <laughs> of how bad your team is, I mean, college football is still the best. You never miss right now. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it was. That was so brutal, and it feels it feels a lot better, even though ASU doesn't have crazy upside this year. I agree. I think it'll be a fun season, and I think all three of our teams have a chance to be pretty good next year relative to expectations. But there's a chance there's a chance Oregon State will be seven and five, but I'll be absolutely miserable. And like your teams will be seven and five and you'll be like ecstatic. So we'll see how that plays out this year. A Hawaii seven and six season. We go bowling, bro. That would be that'd be fun. You can still get that waiver even if you go six and seven. True. That's true. And and, uh, they bail you out. Maybe even five and eight if you guys are really desperate. What about four and nine? <laughs> and Man. you're not making a boy. That's it. <laughs> but I think that's a great episode, guys. Uh, if that's all we got, I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Cole Tomadova. And with that, we wave goodbye. Hill going to come back to the near side. Pick six. Let's see it.